Welcome to the Go Well podcast. This is Kate Mercer and it's my pleasure today to be talking with Professor Paula Bruff who is a Professor of Organisational Psychology and Director of the Centre for Work, Organisation and Wellbeing at Griffith University in Brisbane, Australia. Paula's primary research and teaching areas are occupational stress and coping, employee mental health and wellbeing, work engagement, work-life balance, workplace conflict including bullying, harassment and toxic leadership, and the psychosocial work environment. Paula assesses how work environments can be improved via job redesign, supportive leadership practices and enhanced equity to improve employee health, work commitment and productivity. Paula has authored over 60 industry reports, over 150 journal articles and book chapters and has produced nine scholarly books based on her research. Paula is an Associate Editor of Work and Stress and is Board Member of Journal of Organisational Behaviour, International Journal of Stress Management and the BPS Work-Life Balance Bulletin. Paula is a Fellow of the European Academy of Occupational Health Psychology and a Fellow of the Asia-Pacific Academy for Psychosocial Factors at Work. Welcome to the Go Well program, Professor Paula Bro. Oh, thanks, Kate. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, now, can I call you Paula for the sake of this interview? Is that okay? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> of course. All right. Thank you. And uh, so, look, let's just start with what you're currently doing. So you're the, currently the Director of the Centre for Work, Organisation and Wellbeing. What, what, are you, what are you doing there? Yeah, so my name is Paula Braff and I'm the Director for the Centre for Work, Wellbeing and Organisation, which is based in the Business School at Griffith University in Brisbane. We run a centre looking at all things to do with work business research, everything from sort of mental health and well-being in the workplace, through to organisational behaviour, through to leadership and unions and the impact of industrial relations. So we have about 30 academic staff and PhD researchers working in this area. So it's a very exciting space to be in and lots of research um, happening at the moment. Okay, all right. Thank you for giving us some context there. So we're just going to talk more generally for this show, which is all about well-being. I do want to talk to you about the workplace, but can you just start with talking about coping? I was interested in finding that word in a media release I think I received from Griffith Uni. What would you, how would you mm. describe coping? Yeah, well, coping is just simply the response you have to stress in your life. So that, that's how we, we talk about it and describe it. And obviously, that can be work-related or non-work-related. But for everyone, really, coping is just how you manage or how you deal with a stressor with a view to either reducing it entirely, eliminating the stressor, or reducing the, the consequences of the stressor upon yourself. So you might cope in a way that doesn't reduce the stressor directly, but it might make you feel a little bit better in the short term, like going for a run or something. Okay, so and what are there sort of some general type of symptoms that you would be looking for if you to tell whether you are not coping? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, so there's, there's several key coping categories, I suppose, related either to directly fixing the issue, directly resolving the problem, um, so, you know, reducing the stressor entirely, or how you deal with the stressor when it's when it's ongoing, especially a chronic stressor, um, you know, like bullying in the workplace, for example, 
Um, so how you can deal with it uh, in the longer term. So that's everything from um, seeking support from colleagues or family or friends to looking after your physical health and well-being, trying to make sure you eat and sleep and exercise, even though you may be the last thing you feel like doing, but that will um, help you function in the long term. Getting uh, helpful advice about the situation, so whether you're talking to you know, your HR representative or uh, citizen's advice or you know, just getting some formal information about the issue through to things you might do to try and help you relax. So I'd be interested in within the workplace environment then, a symptom and and an example. So I'm taking myself back to when I was in a workplace. Would bullying, for example, be a symptom of some sort of coping mechanism? Well, the the bullying's a stressor. So... um, so in the, in the workplace, one of the most common stressors we deal with is uh, things like overwork, too much work to do, time pressures and um, interpersonal conflicts. So, you know, bullying and harassment in the workplace, you know, from your colleagues or from your supervisors or even from your subordinates now, upwards bullying. So they're the stressors and how you cope, how you deal with that bullying has a lot to do with you individually. So um, your status in the organisation, are you, do you have the status where you can confront the bully? Do you, are you able to seek help from your senior managers above the bully, say if the bully is your supervisor, or do you not have that status in the organisation and you feel that perhaps there's very limited opportunity formally to do anything about the bully so then your coping is more about perhaps avoiding the bullying, trying to, you know, reduce your exposure to them, perhaps not turning up for work so much or trying not to be alone with them or, you know, behaving in a way that doesn't bring attention to yourself from that bully. So you might not speak out as much in meetings, you might not offer your opinions as much. And ultimately, if the bullying is, um, you know, chronic, ongoing, then it's it's seeking alternative employment, looking for ways out of it, really. Do you teach communication? Yeah, so so the work I do focuses on um, the mental health of, of workers, really, especially those in, in high, high risk of stress jobs. So we have a lot of issues around interpersonal conflict um, that come up, um, you know, in, in emergency services or healthcare or even education. Um, so a lot of the work we do here is focused on how to make the the systems better from the organizational perspective so to minimize the occurrence of incidents in the workplace which can cause mental ill health for workers and then also focusing on the workers themselves giving them the options of what they can do about it and yes one for example if the stressor is um you know too much work so that you're taking work home at night you're you're working answering emails all weekend working on things that you don't really want to be doing out out of your work time then one effective way to deal with that is to try and set some boundaries either physically or psychologically between your work and your home life yeah, your work must have really changed then in the last couple of years or so. You're working, <laughs> you're working with a lot yes. more people who are working from home. So how does how does that work? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it has. That's right, Kate. So um, yeah, COVID for the last eighteen months, COVID has really brought to the fore the impact of um, 
you know, working from home and the benefits and the downsides to that. Absolutely. It's brought it uh, close attention to uh, for workers and work researchers all over the world. Um, you know, and we've we've talked about this. Um, there's, there's lots of tips out there about how to manage this transition uh, as well as you can. Things like, um, you know, setting up a specific work space in the home environment, uh, trying to establish a specific work time for yourself to conduct that work. And obviously that's difficult when you're multitasking with um, especially schooling children at the same time, but also trying to recognize that it's a very difficult situation and to provide steps to, to look after yourself. So to emphasize your own well-being, you know, getting trying to get out and go for a walk each day or um, do something away from the away from work each day, trying to spend time with your children, for example, and not feel guilty about not working, talk to your family about the change situation, uh, as well as, um, you know, keeping in touch with colleagues and maintaining interactions with them. It's, uh, I'm getting stressed actually just listening to all of those things. <laughs> I'm just, like, it's, it's all well and good, isn't it? Sometimes we can talk away, but God, the reality of it must be extremely difficult. So um, are, are people working from home, just as a general question here, who can they reach out to help them um, if they are struggling to cope or mentally? Is there a new role there for someone that you can talk to or is it, is it, are they on their own? How does that work? Oh, yeah, no, no, you're, you're definitely not on your own, um, definitely not on your own. So hopefully there's um, there's sources in your workplace. Your first point of call would be your supervisor, just about, you know, how you manage the day-to-day job, what's happening, how often you check in. It's important to check in with colleagues, you know, as you would going for a morning coffee with them if you were there face-to-face. You try and do the same thing, but virtually. You know, so often there's a Monday morning meeting and a Friday afternoon virtual meeting just as a as a social catch up more than anything. And then obviously there's HR systems and policies that most major workplaces would have around, you know, if you have an issue that you need to talk to them about. And I think it's important to note that if you are unable to talk to work about this sort of stuff, you know, how you're feeling about everything, or um, there's not a route to talk by work in it, then your GP is your point of call and to be, to get a referral to talk to someone outside of work, to talk to someone privately, which obviously a lot of workers prefer to do anyway. Wow, that's a real eye-opener. I was just going to ask you that question next, you know, what if you, you're mm. a contractor or something? <clears throat> and I guess there are more people given COVID who are now perhaps started their own businesses or whatever. Golly, GPs have got a lot happening, haven't they? That's really quite tough. Yeah, yeah, because the GP will refer you to a psychologist. That's your route, really, for being able to talk it all through with someone outside of your workplace. Are unions still out there for different sort of industries that you might work in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, if you're involved with a union, if you're a member of a union, you still have um, access um, to their support as well. So absolutely, the union is another uh, important point of call. Yeah, especially if there's, um, you know, they're, they're more likely to help if there's a, a group or a collective complaint about something um, that can be effective rather than you as an individual taking it up with your with your workplace, you know, one by one. Because mm, it's all about absolutely knowing that you're not on your own all the time, isn't it? And who you can connect with when you 
are yeah. struggling and given there are so many more people working from home and also given we don't really know what's ahead, do we? And just coming back to the whole working from home thing, I think perhaps it's been a little bit maybe novelty for the first 12 months, you know. I think I sent in one of those questions uh, from Oracle mm. Consulting. They did a survey and uh, <coughs> a lot of people didn't mind sort of getting up and being able to do Zoom calls in their pyjamas, even naked. I'm afraid I can't recommend that at all. Just not go there. Another thing you do, which is working on planning and goals with people, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's been interesting that, you know, there was this whole working in in pyjamas situation. Um, But obviously, it still is important and it still um, pays to have a professional presence in the workplace, even if you are working at home when, you know, you're talking on uh, virtual calls to people. So... Um, I, I, I think it's quite interesting. There's just been this whole new fashion range where, um, you know, it's formal wear from the waist up and then waist down. It's, <laughs> it's you know, shorts or pyjamas or tracksuit bottoms or whatever. But um, mm. I understand there's a whole, you know, new range of, of workwear, which is a a bit more relaxed throughout and certainly a lot more relaxed from the waist down. I think especially a lot of women would... would um, enjoy the fact that um you know they can wear a bit less makeup a bit less jewelry don't have to be in uncomfortable high heels all day you know i think for a lot of women um it's been a bit of a relief to have a more relaxed approach to their workwear yes because what you wear does make a difference to how you present and then how you make decisions doesn't it so i mean Mm. if you're wearing a power red suit for instance compared to wearing your pajamas you might make a different a different decision (laughs) it sort of opens up a whole (laughs) whole new game i mean it actually could be a good thing if all the decisions are actually a lot more relaxed and not so rigid maybe and that's going to reflect on our world perhaps not such a bad thing yeah yeah, I, th- I think I think on the whole, though, most most organisations have adapted quite well to to virtual meetings and virtual decision making. So, um, mm. yeah, I think I think the formal attire, certainly from the waist up, is is still common. Yeah. Certainly from what I've seen, mm. Um, mm. and um, yeah, I, you know, it's still important to have that um, sense of professionalism, especially for mm. those people. With in senior roles obviously mm, absolutely and so uh well have i not asked you anything that you think would be important for people to know about number one and difficult question because we don't really none of us know but what do you see changing in the future or staying the same what's your comment on what's ahead for working uh, from home or working in the workplace yeah sure yeah sure kate um well, the research the research that we've um, been looking at recently is is showing quite clearly that um, people are expecting this really to be a, a permanent change. Um, perhaps not working from home five days a week. I think there's um, a lot of downsides to that. But I think we're, we're for workers who are able to working from home, um, you know, several days a week has has huge benefits, you know, less commuting time, more work time, increased productivity, uh, more focused work, as well as um, better uh, estimates of work-life balance. So, you know, just being able to to be around your children a little bit more um, if that's what you want and, um, you know, being able to fit work around them. So it's it's been it's been a very interesting experiment. I, I agree with that. Um, but I think... 
I think for workers who are able to, um, there's been a sense that actually we can be responsible. We don't have to be micromanaged as much as our employers might have wanted us um, to be micromanaged in the past. And that, uh, you know, workers on the whole can be trusted to be productive and effective uh, even when they're not physically in an office. So um, mm. I think there's huge benefits, actually. Um, the downside, of course, is that some of the research is showing that productivity, especially from female workers, has really taken a hit primarily because they're the ones picking up more of the mm. house when they're working from home and certainly more of the childcare and the schooling. So mm. um, certainly does need to be addressed that there's a big gap forming in many industries, actually. Yes, I think that's right. There's a lot that we just don't know. If I talk, <clears throat> I talk to some people working from home, I'm working in a re in regional Victoria who had been working in mm. Melbourne. They just go, well, I just don't want to go back to how I was working before. Mm. But there's lots yeah. of different combinations, aren't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. So commuting into the office, I mean, you know, hours and hours of com commuting mm. you know, and dealing with all that stress of that, mm. yeah, I understand people don't want to go back to that and I th and I think work this last 18 months working from home has shown everybody that actually we do have the technology to be able to have this flexibility mm. um, previously it was sort of poo-pooed that oh you know we haven't got everything set up it's going to take it's going to be too much hassle to set you up for working from home where now people are saying well you know I can be on the beach and working or or whatever you know but mm. yeah uh, for many people, the technology is now available. Mm. Yeah, it's a very interesting area. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on to the program today. Thanks, Kate.